Hey, this is Maya. And I'm Stephanie. And you're listening to The What Project, where you'll hear inspiring stories of hope. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The What Project. We are glad that you are joining us once again for another episode You know, we took a little bit of a break in there, so we do apologize, but summer was fun and very fulfilling of lots of events. So um, today we have an awesome guest. Our guest is Marilyn. And uh, Marilyn, hello. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. Thank you. So we're going to jump right into this. Marilyn, tell us, how did you get saved? Well... I was only five years old when I got saved. Some people think you can't get saved that young, but I had been attending Sunday school and church, and my parents were Christians, and so I'd heard enough that my mom realized I was under conviction. And so she asked me if I wanted to be saved and explained it to me. And I can remember kneeling down by the old couch. I can still remember the old couch. In fact, I think I can smell what it smelled like. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that funny how our memory works sometimes? I can just see it. And I accepted the Lord as my Savior that day. And I don't know the date, but I know it was not winter because I ran outside to tell my dad I was doing chores. And (laughs) I can remember that it was not winter. So I was saved. Do you remember any of the stuff your mom mentioned to you or how she explained it to you? No, I don't. No. No, but evidently I'd learned enough in Sunday school, and my parents always had uh, devotions with us kids and Bible reading. My mom had been saved not too many years before that. Um, my dad had been saved as a youth, but had walked away from the Lord and married my mom. And they were invited to a little country church about a half hour from our farm, which is uh, north northeast Kansas. That's where I grew up. And uh, they had been invited to this little country church, and so they went with this young couple, and that's when my mom got saved. And they started going then all the time. And it was a half-hour drive, but we went Sunday school, church, Sunday night, Wednesday night. My dad was a deacon for many years. We just went, you know, Bible school, everything. We uh, It was a small church, but we did have a youth group. Um, the kids were not very committed to the Lord. And uh, sometimes I was the only girl in my class. As I thought about it, we must have had boys and girls divided because I was the only girl sometimes in my class, which is really boring, you know, (laughs) especially if you're going through Acts where every week it's a different trip that Paul took, you know, (laughs) boy, not again. (laughs) And so I didn't feel like I was ever really discipled or really grew much, although, you know, my folks were in the Word with us teaching us kids. and. good example and we had a very good pastor and but you know just kind of went along the lord was very faithful to protect me i was a very naive farm girl and i could have gotten in a lot of trouble but the lord protected me and um, after i graduated from high school my folks wanted me to go to bible school and i was kind of a homebody i got very homesick if I went away at night. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I would could never go away from home, you know. And so I applied and was accepted to the Omaha Baptist Bible College. And so I went there. And first week was a little rough, but after that, it was great to be around <laughs> so many Christian kids, you know, and just 
just really fun. So since your high school or younger year experience was kind of just you, was that the first time you were in like a group of peers that were Christians? That were committed Christians and really wanted to live for the Lord. And so I took Christian ed, and of course everybody has to take a Bible minor too, or a major, so I pretty much majored in Bible and Christian ed, and met my husband when I was a sophomore. When he was a freshman and a sophomore, he'd already spent a year in a junior college before he came down. And he wasn't saved till he was 19, but the Lord had protected him all those years too, kept him out of trouble. He grew up on the farm by Spring Valley. So that's an interesting point when I look back at my history too. And, you know, my teenage years, Mm -hmm. I can definitely pinpoint times where I'm like, oh, I can totally see how God just protected me. Mm -hmm. So after I met my husband, he was convinced that the Lord had called him to be a missionary to to, uh, Brazil. And boy, I didn't know about that. (laughs) And so when we began to be serious, we counseled with some mission people and I said, I'm not really called to, you know, I haven't had what I thought was a real call to be a missionary. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, are you convinced you're to be Richard's wife? And he's called to be a missionary. And I said, yes. He said, well, then you're called. <laughs> you're going to be his <laughs> wife and go with him, you know. <laughs> so we began preparing for that. And um, we went out on deputation, Baptist Missions. You know, you have to go around and visit all the churches to get your support. Can you talk us through that decision a little bit? Like, what do you think? made you feel like, this is it, I'm going to dive in and do it? Well, because I loved him, I guess, and knew that we were to be together, and if that's what the Lord wanted. So you felt like it was like kind of a trust exercise, mm-hmm. like you knew you could mm-hmm. trust God, and you felt like that was his will, so mm-hmm. you were willing to jump mm-hmm. in and do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's neat. And so we went through all the, it's a lot of work, to all the paperwork, and you have to meet with the board, like almost like an ordination. And go through questioning and all that. Then we did about a year and a half of what we call deputation when we were raising sport. And we had about half our sport. And Richard comes to me one day and says, you know, I don't think I'm called to be a missionary. Hmm. What's the matter with you? (laughs) Three, four, five years we've been planning this. And he said, you know, I I just don't feel like I'm really called. And it was really baffling to me. I just, well... Okay, you know, we can't go if you're not called to go. And he was he was quite shy. We both were. And um, I can see, you know, probably wouldn't have worked out too well. But the Lord is able. And if he was really calling, we would have. But uh, I think what it was, was he was saved at 19. And he heard a missionary soon after that from Brazil. And I think he just felt such a burden for the the missionaries in Brazil and and the people in Brazil that he thought, wow, this, you know, this is what I'll do. And, and he wasn't really, really called. I, that's the only way I can figure it out. But at least we know more about what a missionary goes through. You know? <laughs> and uh, it's really helped a lot. Yeah. And, uh, Maybe it was a bit of a trust exercise, just like, you know, Isaac. And, and <laughs> like maybe you just yeah. saying yes was, yes. you know, proof that you were Being willing. willing yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe so. So then when we, when we didn't go to the mission field, then we came back to the farm by Spring Valley Farm there for seven years and then moved here to Chatfield. But um, in, in the meantime with that, when Omaha 
Bible College was moving to Ankeny, there was a summer where everybody was in limbo. You know, we moved from Omaha, and then if you were finishing school, you had to move to Ankeny and get a new job and all of oh, that. Yeah. So That's a pretty big It's a big thing. Change. It was a big <laughs> yeah. thing. And I was expecting in September, and so we came back to stay on the farm and um, help them that summer, and Becky was born in Spring Valley. And in the meantime, the church here started in the the electric building, and we were there that very first Sunday when they started the church, and then that summer, so that gave us that connection to the church. And so when we came back to farm, of course, the natural thing was to go here, be a part of the church. So you were farming in Spring Valley, though? Mm -hmm, for seven yeah. years by okay. Spring Valley on the family farm. And oh, then sure. Sold that. Moved to Chatfield, and we've been really active in the church ever since, you know, and, and of course, I'm the oldest uh, one, I'm the oldest in the church, but I'm the oldest one who has any history of the church, so <laughs> I'm kind of the keeper of the history. <laughs> the church is 55 years old now, so. And you've been there since the start of it? Well, except for the two or three years, or four years, that way we're preparation for mission building. <laughs> we raised our kids here, we have five kids, and we raised them here, and we're all gone, of course. And so then, um, after we moved here, and Richard worked at uh, Tui's, Tui Furniture, and he worked at Strongwell, and he decided to start keeping bees, and we started selling honey at the farmer's market, and he loved that, and it just got into more and more and more raising all kinds of vegetables, and honey, and mushrooms, and maple syrup, and so we were busy, although we were both working full-time until he retired at 62, and then I retired a few years after that, and then we had about, mm, I suppose, six, eight years together where we were both retired, you know. <laughs> where did you work? I worked at Tui Furniture oh, okay. and for a while, and then I went to Mayo. I was at Mayo for 19 oh, and a half years. I didn't know that. And I retired. What department did you work in? I worked in the well, first I was a medical transcriptionist for seven years, and then I worked as the volunteer administrative assistant with all the volunteers downtown. Oh. Beautiful job. I had a Christian boss, and it was a, a really wonderful job because the volunteers want to be there. They're happy, and we made them feel special, did special things for them. At that time, we could have big parties a couple times a year for them and just recognition. It was just a fun place to work. Yeah, and kind of a serving role. Mm -hmm. You just get to mm -hmm. love people well. Right. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. And so then we um, we did together then and really expanded our gardens and everything during those years when we were both retired, which was fun. We always had work together, and, and it, was, it was really good. And then he got cancer and uh, had two years to live. So that sort of put a damper in it. Yeah. And, um, but he didn't complain. And he passed away in February of 2017. But in December of 2016, we had a house fire. We burned our house down. That was pretty traumatic when he was so sick. But the uh, Lord was faithful. Um, we were gone. And the fire went from the basement straight up through the living room to our bedroom and swept down the stairs and blew out the front doors and I would never have gotten him out 
possibly I wouldn't have gotten myself out, but I would never have gotten him because it went so fast and he would not have been moving fast. So it was good that we were gone. And so our daughter and husband took us in for five weeks, Rachel and James, and we lived there for five weeks. And then neighbor lady up the street was looking after a rental house. And she said, I might be able to get that house for you. I mean, it wasn't a rental house. It was an empty house, I should have said. Uh, she said, I might be able to get that house that you could rent to live in. And she did. She talked the lady into it. She lived up north someplace quite a ways, an elderly lady. And so it was a perfect place. It was only two blocks from here. And so I could come down here and uh, mow the lawn and do all those things. And so then when Richard passed away in February of 2017, here I was left to build a new house, <laughs> you know, sell the property that we had for garden and all the machinery and all that stuff and and build a new house. And I'd never wanted to build a new house because I didn't think I had the patience to wait for it. <laughs> but when you're made to wait, it's another thing. Yeah. And so I was able to rent that house and pastor. And uh, some of the men from the church laid new flooring and put down new carpet and painted it. And it was a really nice house to live in. Really comfortable. And, uh, you know, like I could have been living above a store or in a ratty old trailer or whatever, but this was a nice provision and close here. And I had a good contractor. I had to start, okay, where do I start? So my daughter in Ohio had built a new house. And so she started out and she said, well, let's go. We'll come, we'll come and uh, we'll go see a contractor or two, just so you get the idea of what to ask and what you're looking for. So we did. And um, with the kids' help and good references, I found a really good contractor, and everything just was pretty smooth sailing from there, although I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I had to have a, a plan, you know, what kind of house do you want, what do you want it to look like, and this. And you can pick everything from, you know, new cabinets to <laughs> flooring. Yeah, and no, it's a tremendous amount of decisions Yeah, that's what I've but, been told. Yes. <laughs> But the contractor was very helpful, and he'd say, well, how would you like this? What would you think of this? And I'd say, you can do that? Say, yeah, oh, that'd be nice. He said, I think you'd like this. And so we'd do it that way, you know. And his subcontractors were nice. And then I had to pick everything, you know. And I was by myself, but I'd go someplace, and I'd pick out this, 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 this. And, you know, to the Lord's glory, it all matched. <laughs> I kept thinking, oh, I wonder if that's going to look right. <laughs> but it, it all worked out good. And in 10 months, the house was all built. And so I just praise the Lord for his faithfulness through all of that. His provision and great insurance paid for everything. And everything just went so smoothly. It didn't hardly rain at all that summer, although it wasn't a real dry summer. But it didn't rain much. It didn't keep them from building. And the contractor was here every day just really overlooking everything. It was really good. Yeah, you could see God in the details. Yes, definitely. Were there any passages of scripture that you clung to during those that year of difficulty? Yes, there's one that, that I still cling to. It's Isaiah 28, 29. This also comes from the Lord of hosts, who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in guidance. And I ask for his counsel and wisdom almost daily. 
Yeah. You know, when you're a widow, when the wind blows hard, you think, what if the shingles come off? And what if something happens? Who am I going to get to fix this? You know, I shouldn't worry about that. But you do when you're by yourself. <laughs> but I feel like um, time is a real gift. And since I'm widow and not retired, and I'm retired for, for good now. And, um, I have a lot of time. I love to study. I love to read and I have a lot of time to do that. So sometimes in the mornings I'll be two hours preparing. I have a ladies Bible study here once a week and preparing for that and reading Sunday school lesson and just, you know, if I want to look up something, I can take the time to go look it up. Richard and I had always had devotions together every day that we were married. And uh, but it was always rush off to work, you know, read, pray, and oh, you know, we ought to look. What does that mean? Do you think? Well, we ought to look that. Well, why don't you look that up while I'm gone today? Why well, you know, it never <laughs> happened. <laughs> now I can do that. What does that verse mean? I wonder. You know, it's great. Yeah, I think that's a cool testimony that you know you're using your time that way. That you love the Lord and His Word, and you want to be in it, and you want to know Him more, yeah. even at this point in your life. Yeah, I've grown a lot more in the yeah. four years. Yeah, right. I think a lot of times too, like when folks get older, I think sometimes the older they get, the more they're just like, oh, I've just, I've lived life. I don't have to keep studying. I don't have to keep pursuing God or, you know, going after things of God. And, and I think that's really cool um, just in your own testimony that, Nope, you're 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 still le- leading these Bible studies or hosting these Bible studies and and you know doing things for the Lord, which is super cool because I think sometimes I've heard stories of older older folks just kind of slowing down and just yeah, I don't have to do it. I'll let the younger people do it, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I don't think that's right to do that. Yeah. Well, I think we can even reflect on that ourselves. I mean, even if you've been in the church a long time or you've been saved for a number of years or, you know, we can apply that in a lot of different ways that, yeah, you always need to be transforming your mind, you know, through that relationship with Christ. And we do learn and grow, but we have to be actively reading his word and spending time with God in order to do that. Because if you're not going forward, you're stagnating or you're going backwards. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, that's true. So since you are able to kind of look back at some decades of following Christ, (laughs) have there been any times that you feel like Satan was really trying to tempt you away or are anything that you could share that's just helped you remain faithful all these years? I think just being faithful in church, you know, we've always been faithful to serve as what we can and be there for the services. We've always been faithful trying to teach our children and faithful in tithing. I think the Lord blesses that faithfulness. Yeah, I think discipline, it's that scripture in Hebrew that says, you know, no discipline is pleasant at the time, right? but it reaps the reward of mm-hmm. righteousness. And that, yeah. that is words to live by. <laughs> and I can look back on the house fire and see that, you know, I've said, oh, thank you, Lord. Thanks for taking that house. And that, that sounds kind of strange, but it needed 
remodeling work, and I would have gone back there, amongst all that stuff, you know, and uh, Richard's stuff, and I would have said, I wonder if I should remodel this house. Should I spend insurance money to remodel this house, or what should I do? And you know how it is to get people to do work nowadays. They're just so busy. And that just was taken out of my hands. Yeah, I suppose even the sorting through of everything, even though that was bittersweet, I'm sure, to lose your belongings. Yeah, there was, we only had a rocking chair and the table downstairs, which Tui's graciously refinished for me. That was the only, those were the only two pieces of furniture that were spared. Mm-hmm. You know, I was able to clean up some of my pots and pans and things, get the smoke damage from those, some of those things, but. And everything that was of value, you know, I had a lot of piano music that was valuable to me, and I've re- been able to replace all, almost all of that that I really wanted. And the piano, <laughs> the piano I, I bought used from a family in Stuartville, it's the exact piano I had before. Wow. Oh, wow. Exactly. I think it was built in the same time. Wow. When the tuner came, we looked at the date and the everything and it was I believe it was its sister <laughs> which to me it's just amazing yeah it's that's pretty incredible piano. Yes. yeah the thing that I love about that is that God is really cares about the details mm-hmm. you know yes like that he he saw that you really liked your old piano and that he he found a piano yeah. That's exactly, you know, almost like a sister to it, you know, like to me, that's such a cool testimony of itself. Yeah. yeah. It's like getting a hug from God Yeah, <laughs> when you get, you know, those things happen and sometimes they're only things that we know and can see, Right, but that's what makes them all the more meaningful because it's like things that have been in our mind and no one else knows it. And yet God comes in and says, here, I have this for you. And not always a possession, but, you know, comfort or a person coming into your life or all kinds of things can be that. So kind of going all the way back (laughs) to when you first got saved or even later, um, in your words, or maybe you have a scripture that you really feel like pinpoints what salvation is for you. Could you just kind of describe for someone, if they're interested in getting saved, how would they do that? And what are the steps to, you know, reconcile that relationship with God? Well, first of all, a person has to recognize that you're a sinner and that all have sinned. And uh, sometimes that's hard to recognize myself as a sinner, but we recognize that we are sinners. And there's no way that we can earn our way to heaven. We can't pay anything. We can't do anything. We're just helpless. But Christ Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins, took all that away. And uh, we just have to accept it like a Christmas gift. No strings attached. It's ours if we ask. And then he he uh, accepts us as one of his children and takes, you know, forgives our sin, and leads us every day from there on, if we allow him to. It's a growing process, sanctification. Yeah, that's good. That's true. It is a growing process. It's like once you can see yourself as a sinner and you recognize that need for Jesus, then you also kind of see all the things that you could work on. (laughs) That's what repentance is. (laughs) Yep, yep. You're just slowly going through life 
recognizing, oh, wow, that's sin. I need to repent of that. I need to, you know, be in God's word and change my behaviors. And once you conquer that, you move on to the next one. (laughs) And sometimes you go back and do them over again and again and again. (laughs) Don't learn the lesson the first time. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But I think the key is, you know, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. Because like you said, there isn't a checklist of things that we have to do. It it is a gift that comes, no strings attached. But, you know, we also turn around and, you know, you love the Lord for what he did for you. And that does change how you live. And that's what repentance is. Yeah. You know, it just reminds me of uh, Luke 9.23, just talking about having to surrender. And it's a daily surrender. And in Luke 9.23, it says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And I think that's something that we have to continually choose every day is that, hey, we're going to choose Jesus Christ. We're, we're going to choose to, you know, Lord, I, I'm a sinner every day. Like, Lord, I'm a sinner and that... I choose to give my life to you. I choose to follow you. I choose to to go your way and to choose your will. And uh, I mean, that's a lifelong, lifelong journey. Yes, it is. Yeah. I think that's evident in your testimony too, Marilyn, because, you know, there are those big pivotal points in your life where you're like, well, I'm not really sure what you're doing, Lord, <laughs> but I'm all in to follow you. And I think that's a good example that you're setting in that faithfulness is just like you feel God has been faithful to you all these years. You're, you know, returning that attribute to him by faithfully following him. I have a scripture I want to share. It's Psalm 145, and I'm going to start at verse eight. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all men may know your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. To me, that just speaks to the idea of a testimony. You know, that's why we're sitting down and having these conversations because we want the Lord to be glorified and we want people to know about the gift that he willingly gives us, um, that salvation is there. And we just want people to know that God is good. He is faithful and he is loving towards all that he has made. Marilyn, if you could say one thing to your younger self, what would it be? How would you, what would you say to your younger self about following Christ? It's worth it. It's worth it. And it will be worth it. I think that's a good answer. That's a good answer. <laughs> I'm not so sure, but. Well, I think that's true, though, because we have to remember that. Like, even, oh, what's the scripture where it says that, like, the rich man receives his reward on earth? Mm-hmm. but I don't know what word it says. If it says the faithful receives it in heaven or, but like, it's important to remember that Yeah, because it's not about all of these things. It's not about even being 
on the popular political spectrum or, you know, it can be easy to get bogged down by what's going on in life. But mm-hmm. to remember, like, this is not it. I I think if people in heaven could say something to us, they'd say, just keep going. It's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't give up. It's worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the things of this world truly pale in comparison of what's to come. Oh, yeah. So if you're driving the junky car or in the (laughs) rundown house or can't buy the clothes you want or, you know, all of those things... That's okay, because we literally have eternity to look forward to, where every need will be filled and there will be no sin. Right. What a promise is that? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Yes. With that, I just want to say thank you, Marilyn, for joining us today. This was an awesome conversation. And uh, we hope that uh, the rest of you can join us next time on The What Project.